Buddy old pal, how we doing? Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Is that the same thing every other depressed white guy says? Every single one of them. <laughs> that was my favorite bit from R&R. <laughs> it's my favorite bit from real life. <laughs> it's just... I still remember the first time I did that joke. Don't remember why. It just came to me, and I was in an office, and like six people just like looked at me like I had three heads, and three people just laughed so hard. And I was like, "Okay, you three are the three I'm gonna like." <laughs> so it's just become my go-to. <laughs> like, if you laugh at that joke, then we're probably gonna get along. Yeah, no, that's because everyone says it all the time. And yeah. if I've learned anything from the last couple of shows, I see. <laughs> the best jokes are based in reality and oh yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's so the, good. Uh, like 80% true to 20% exaggeration <laughs> uh, that's so fantastic uh, how are you man doing okay like really how are you I don't the dream is the, <laughs> I know what the dream is and the dream isn't good <laughs> no I'm doing pretty good I'm tired currently I drove someone to the airport at 3 o'clock morning oh that's good um, you know so cu- coming out of retirement for one day uh no sleep just odds odds are stacked against me but you know you know how we do yeah uh, I, I do know how you do but thanks for making time yeah dude sounds good um here give me one second i i had to test everything and make sure that my audio setup still worked um <laughs> also probably talk about talk about how retirement is yeah basically uh, not monologuing for an hour every week at minimum uh yeah my vocal cords are are so happy (laughs) i don't know how you did that dude i'd still there's there's certain things i'd like to but uh largely i'm fine not doing it yeah take a sip of my um french vanilla coffee Ooh, fancy. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's three dollars at the local Walmart. Ooh, man, yeah. real, real fluffy coffee order. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like the um, God, what is it? The uh, coffee mate creamer. Okay. Yeah, I can't drink it. I can't drink it black like some other people can. Yeah, I. It, I drink my coffee black at home, but I don't trust other places. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, every time I order just a plain coffee, it tastes like public, so I've, I've now learned my lesson. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I It's hard for me, because my parents do, like, uh, they do, like, the powdered creamer. Okay. Uh, and they do, like, two of those in one, and it's still pretty black. I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. So I tried it when I first started drinking coffee because I'd wake up like 5.30 or what, uh, whatever, go to the golf course and like get, you know, go to work. So I started drinking coffee and it took me about like probably six weeks to find my coffee and it ended up being what I drink now, which is the, like the liquid creamer because that's what we had at the golf course. I'm like, this is much better than that. And then uh, two things of sugar and it's drink one to two of those a day, depending and I'm a, I'm a person. <laughs> All right, you ready to get moving? Yeah, let's go ahead and, and get going. All right. Um, okay. So I can turn you off in our system here? Yeah, you start at zero. So 45, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. One, 
two, three. Yeah, we're close enough. Four. That's good enough for me. Works All for right. me. <laughs> uh, you're 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 in northern Phoenix, northern Tempe. What what's I forget the actual city nor, that nor, you're in. North Phoenix, yes. North Phoenix. All right. Three, two. On the line from Northern Phoenix in Arizona, buddy old pal, my friend, my former co-host, the guy that I think is one of the few people I know that's smarter than me about the game that we both love in football, something we're probably not going to talk about today at all because that's not this type of show, all the way from New York to Phoenix to your ears. Ryan Wintle. Ryan, thanks for making time, buddy. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, I was excited when you when you texted me for this. Glad that we made time. Yeah, I uh, wanted two very easy shows for myself in November because I am, uh, as we stand on Wednesday, November 9th, I am about 10 days away from starting the World Cup. And by 10 days away, I mean the tournament starts in 10 days, which means I have to start doing stuff next week. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Yeah, a bunch of pre-recorded interviews uh, the week before the tournament, previewing the tournament on every level from, you know, different continents. I got people who can cover Africa and people who can cover South America and Europe and Asia and all these other corners of the world uh, converging on Zoom for my show. And it's a big deal, and I'm very, very happy that people have, have signed on to this and people have, have, have funded the project. It will be available on If Anyone Cares on YouTube. And, um, of course, you know all the promotional stuff that we can get to uh, later on. But this is not a time for promotion. This is a time for Ryan Wintel. Ryan, uh, you and I used to host a podcast together called R&R. Uh, you have since retired. What's retirement from a microphone been like? Um, it's been... It's been nice in some ways. Uh, occasionally, like this week with the with the Colts hiring Jeff Saturday, I just want to scream into an endless void for an hour. But for most most weeks, I'm okay with just sitting back and getting to be an actual normal football fan again, and not having uh, marble notebooks spread throughout with notes and such. So it's been nice. It's been good and bad, but mostly nice. Are you telling me you have thoughts and opinions, and most of them negative? On an NFL team hiring a coach that has never coached before ever. Um, yeah, mo- on any level, mo- mostly <laughs> yes, mostly negative. Um, that and it's funny okay. because I really like Jim Irsay because it, how can't you? He's a he's a cartoon character come to life. I think having Jim Irsay around is good for the NFL in general, even if he's going to be bad for his own team. Uh, but yeah, so stuff like that breaks, and I miss it a little bit. But on the whole. Uh, I was I was just so burnt out by the end of it that uh, that I'm happy to get away for a little while. So, for those that don't know who Jim Irsay is, because this is not a sports yeah. show, Jim Irsay is like a cartoon, or I'm sorry, he's like a child. He's like a, a like a kindergarten child. If you gave him, I don't know, ten billion dollars. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's in, in the way he behaves, in the way he makes decisions. But he's so he can be so generous sometimes. You know, there's been a lot of stories of former Indianapolis Colts have come out and like Jim did this and Jim did that for us. And um so just, you know, kindergarten in his in his judgment and his decision making, 
but overall kind of well liked, but not really that well liked. And that's Jim Irsay. Um, <laughs> he's probably for non-football fans. A, he's probably a good example of somebody who I I don't know of anyone who dislikes Jim Irsay, but. I, I would not say that he's beloved or anything. It's just, I don't think anyone has a problem with him. It's sort of a, uh, just a, a Jim being Jim type situation. But yeah, J- Jim Mercer is like, he's not your favorite guy, but you don't mind him being there. Yeah, you know, you, you know the fringe guy in your group. If you don't, you probably are the fringe guy. I'm sorry. Uh, you yeah. know, like the, you, everyone knows who the last guy on the list for a hang is. Uh, Jim Irsay probably makes that cut, but other times he's 50 50 on the bubble. I would argue it's Dan Snyder these days. But <laughs> Dan, no, Dan Snyder's the guy who everyone actively avoids telling that there's a party. Um, <laughs> hey, guys, don't mention it. Dan's here. A, uh, <laughs> 31, 31 people in the world on NFL teams, and they all hate one dude who owns the 32nd NFL team. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, uh, nevertheless, this is not yeah. the show to talk about football. You and I are massive fans of the show community. It's something we talked about a lot on our show R&R, which you can, go, you can still go find that on, on the internet. Yeah, it's so I went exists. back and listened to a few. Yeah, I went back and listened to a few a couple of weeks ago. It was great fun. One of the most most fun times I've ever had on a microphone was that show. Uh, you and I both talked about Community quite a bit. If you don't know what Community is, it was an NBC sitcom for um, five seasons, and it moved to Yahoo, the short-lived Yahoo streaming service for one year until it was canceled. Uh they're coming out with a movie. That was a bit throughout the entire show. Six seasons and a movie. They finally got the movie in place. Peacock is doing it. It looks like everyone's on board. Uh, Dan Harmon, the show creator and showrunner, said Donald Glover is, quote, down to clown with the community movie. So <laughs> I think everything's going great. What are your thoughts on the on the movie? Um, super jacked up about it. The same way I think I think everybody who loved that show is. Um, it's, it's also... A, I'm really excited about it more so for the ability to give closure to some of the characters who didn't necessarily get it. Uh, mostly Shirley, I think, got got really gypped uh, at the time that she left. Troy a little bit, just because of him leaving early in that fifth season. I think the community finale is one of the better finales of any comedy ever. And it's rough when like 40% of the cast is missing for it. So I think it'll be cool for them to get to do that again. Right. And it seems like everyone is, is on board. I know um, all the main members of the show had posted uh, the graphic and a movie. Uh, Donald Glover did not, but Donald Glover is also very weird on the internet. So who's to say, but the report is is he is um, reportedly going to be involved in some capacity in the movie. The the key glaring missing piece that stood out to to me and everyone else. There's no Chevy Chase. Now, obviously, Chevy Chase was excluded from the last couple of seasons. Uh, I don't think he's going to be asked back at, in any capacity, like Donald Glover is, um, to to kind of a, have a guest role in the movie. So, uh, good thing for Chevy Chase not being in the movie. Oh, he's dead in the show. So I yeah. guess yeah, yeah, they they wouldn't bring him back anyways. They, they wrote him out as having passed away, and then they also um, there there was a throwaway Easter egg that he has a hologram on campus that like <laughs> greets people and points them to the building or something. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they could do that. And then w- with what you said about Donald Glover, it's also probably noteworthy that he's much richer and busier 
than the rest of the cast. You know, I <laughs> I don't think Joel McHale would take except it would take a exception to to me saying that. You know, I'm sure that hosting Card Sharks is very hard work, but it's not. You know, making an album be, uh, and then acting and running your own your own uh, Emmy winning show with Atlanta the the way that Donald Glover does. So it's yeah, it's a matter of. In addition to that, just time and money. Um, yeah, Joel McHale isn't singing Redbone and um, and This Is America. Yeah, man. Like I, he's <laughs> he's also, and I really like Joel McHale and stuff. Um, and he's but, so great. Yeah, yeah, he is great. Uh, but it's, it, I believe he even pointed it out when he was talking about the struggles with a movie was pointing out that some people in the cast have gotten significantly busier, mainly Alison Brie and Gillian Jacobs because they got their own shows on Netflix. In addition to other things that they did as well with movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, glow and, and love something you've, I, you and I have talked about on R and R, uh, both those shows that, that we have both watched. Um, I think you were more a fan of love and I was more of, more of a fan of glow. I don't really like love as much. Uh, I really enjoy both of them. I'm a, I'm a big, I have a soft spot for Judd Apatow stuff. I really just enjoy his writing. So him being uh, executive producer and that basically feeling like the classic uh, Judd Apatow rom-coms of the last 10 or 15 years just stretched into TV form. I really enjoyed it. But uh, Glow needs a movie too finale. They should have had one. Marin was fighting for that for a while. Uh, they, they deserve it. Yeah, they do. Um, no, but the the thing with Apatow, um, I think <laughs> look, at, a, a movie being like forty five minutes too long is a is a heck of an indictment. <laughs> yes. for any movie. Yep. <laughs> but most of his movies are are just thirty minutes of of kind of I don't want to say needless because like there's a story, there is a um, there's a point to all of the things that are done in movies. But maybe it's it's. Um, not as vital as some of the other parts of the movie. Um, yeah. And then when you stretch it out, like, love, I, that, I think that's the problem I have with love. And this is love on Netflix with, with um, uh, Paul Rust and, and Gillian Jacobs. This is like, it was just kind of slow at times. And I was looking, I was coming off glow to love and glow was just like run and gun the whole time. Yeah, that's fair. It was just stylistically just a little different. Maybe I should have spaced out, but, that's on me. Anyways, uh, no, but I, I know you and I were talking about um, some different paths the movie can take. You had some ideas. Uh, what would you like to see from the movie? From Community, you're saying? Yeah, from Community. Um, honestly, I, I want to see just pay off to things that we didn't necessarily get. That's why I think it's so vital that Donald Glover is there because his character needs that. They did a. His final episode is one of my favorite, the Hot Lava episode, but I there's so much more to tell there, especially the way that the finale kind of treats uh, Abed and Troy's relationship with, with Abed kind of feeling a little abandoned by that. I, so I want to see that. Um, honestly, I'm just excited to see it again. I really enjoy Community on a whole. I've listen to a ton of Dan Harmon interviews. I think that he's obviously his reputation precedes him as a very difficult, but super creative genius. So I, I'm honestly more excited to see it than anything. Uh, you mentioned that I had ideas. I specced out a script for it. Um, that just having some fun with it. I did end up posting those on Reddit. People liked them, but 
I've that's good. Yeah, I'm really excited for whatever comes out just to see that it actually got made. That something that people really enjoyed and kind of willed into existence got made. I think that's a win in and of itself. You could probably email those scripts to community movie at peacock.tv. <laughs> and uh they might get through. <laughs> I, do, I don't I don't think that's a real email, but uh <laughs> No, those were a writing exercise. Hey, it's worth a shot. Those no, I don't need. Yeah, I don't need no, that. and uh, <laughs> something you explored, um, and that was the the relationship between uh, Jeff and Annie. I think that could be a, another like loose end tied up. If that, because they left it super open ended at the end, and you know the the age gap was like the main focus of that, and it was the main focus of the entire series. Um, obviously, Troy and Abed need to to tie things up. Shirley needs to tie things up. Um, we need to figure out what happens with Britta and her life and, you know, graduating community college at 33 years old. But I think the main focus for the show was always was Jeff and what's going on with him and how is he going to get through the years of community college. And we got to the end of the show and we we're kind of just as confused as we were in the pilot. Yeah. That was at least my takeaway from it. Je- Jeff's arc, the show really changes because it changes with, Jeff's arc and motivation that it starts off with he's a lawyer who gets who loses his job because he faked a bachelor's degree um which by the way Same. if you're able to if you <laughs> if you're able to fake a bachelor's degree and then get through law school I feel like they should just give you the bachelor's degree it's like you win uh but that's that's here right. and over there so and it starts off with him basically needing to learn the lesson of hey, just enjoy the moment that you're in in life rather than trying to, you know, burst your way through it and just get this over with. That's so much of the first season of Community, and it's still there in the second and third seasons of him kind of learning, A, not to be a jerk, B, to appreciate what he has and not, you know, long, long for what he doesn't. And then it shifts at the end because he ends up eventually graduating uh, going back to law, failing at it, coming back as a teacher. And it, it kind of shifts from that one life lesson that he's learning to it, it kind of becomes more about aging and figuring out where he's going to end up and being okay with where he is. And it just it really kind of takes a hard right turn in those last seasons. I think that's why they're a little divisive. But I I enjoy that sort of stuff. I think that it's fun. I think... They're good, well-written characters, so any good, well-written story is going to be fun to see in that in that little sandbox. And it's also realistic, right? Like if if you have the same mindset for three or four years, and then it switches when something drastic happens, like graduating an institution, obviously your mindset's going to shift. And when you graduate at an age that's more advanced, like Jeff Winger's age, you start looking at your life a little bit. And all these friends that you've made and only people you care about in the world. He mentioned that a couple of times in the show. It, it's realistic, right? Like that's how a, a normal person would react. Yeah. And it, and people were, people were so married to like the first four seasons and the fourth, and I would say the first three, yeah. first three seasons <laughs> yeah. are really, really great. And the fourth season, obviously the gas leak year, but um, there's some really good moments in the fourth season from, from Jeff. But ultimately the, I have a hard time with that like people married to the like they really love this point in the show they really love these seasons they really love kind of the the weird 
adventurous moments, but they also care about the actual serious or serial narrative of the characters going forward. And it changes, like you said, in season five. That's where people get hung up. I think it's great. You mentioned that you think it's great. Um, there's some bad episodes in five and six. There's worse episodes in four. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not not to take too many shots at four. That you know, if you they if were, you really want to know about season four, best. you you can go read about what happened in season four with all the stuff behind the scenes. But um, I think it's it's just super realistic and super well written. Yeah, and they don't harp on it a lot, but I. It's always something that I particularly enjoyed was the fact that Jeff tries to go back to law and completely fails at it, despite being shown to be really good in the early seasons. And that's his reputation when they meet people from his old life and stuff. Um, And that he essentially fails because he's changed as a person and isn't doing corporate law anymore and is trying to represent individuals and trying to do things differently and completely fails at it. And just not to get too off track here, that's one of the things that I've always loved and why I've always been super drawn to Spider-Man as a character is that's a character who fundamentally their life becomes worse by doing the right thing and they still do it because it's a principle. Uh, And I've always felt like that was... That that was always kind of there in the background for Jeff, that he goes back to law and completely fails because he's a better person now and not taking the same shortcuts. I always loved that in Community, but I also love that they don't harp on it, that it's just kind of there. Yeah, so being a good person um, gets you a lower paying job. (laughs) and (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it does. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I I love the, the end of season four. We're like, hey, Jeff, what'd you end up majoring in? And he says education, which would imply that, you know, it, it was, it, it, you go back in, in, in the moment, you don't really realize it, or maybe you kind of put it together. Oh, that's, that may be a reason why we have season five. Yeah. And then season five starts with the repilot, and boom, he's, you know, I'm not getting, people probably have seen it, but like, he tries to get everyone to sue the school for yeah. whatever, you know. And then episode two, he's a teacher. <laughs> so like just the shift in, in the, you have to self-actualize a little bit in season, in episode one of season five, like, okay, he has the opportunity to be bad. And then he doesn't because he cares about these four people or these five people and it works out and he comes back as a teacher and you have uh, two more seasons and you know, then the finale. And where now you have a everything movie. just kind of left up in the air. And now you have a movie that is going to probably answer a lot of questions. It would be so great is if I don't know the, the rules and the laws with all the um all the references. But it it would be great if it, the movie was just 90 minutes of like, yeah, story and narrative. But it was just 90 minutes of other movie references. Yeah, uh, I think that would they, be awesome. They, they definitely, I mean, anything that's parody or satire is supposed to be protected. We'll we'll see how that goes, but uh, but yeah, they, I mean, they did it throughout the entire run of the show. I'm sure that they won't be afraid to to uh, lean on some some other material. Probably not. Nevertheless, I think I think we've covered community to to the extent. Um, so you are. You still work. For- 
I mean, Lickers. yeah, let's not use that on this show. Um, okay. <laughs> Do you still work? <laughs> yeah, I work. Yeah. Okay, let's cut that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. You're good. No, dude, just po- just we can't. just post my home address. It's fine, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I, I guess aspirations and, and bigger stuff, dude. I you you were you were so incredibly talented at a lot of things that you do, and uh, from from talking about football to talking about film and talking about you know so many different things on a microphone, writing stuff, producing stuff. Um, I guess, you know, you, you stepped away from doing your show about the NFL and all the other things that, that, you know, both we did together and that you did individually. I guess, what is the, the plan now? Yeah, I, so last year when I talked to you about ending r and I was saying that I was just kind of done, just needed a break. Uh, I was happy and excited to do that because I had been, at minimum doing one hour of content every week for three or four years at that point. And I was sort of burnt out on it and I very much didn't feel creatively fulfilled. And it was right around that point where like I, I used to be a very good writer. I've always, I mean, I interned at a newspaper when I was 17. I mostly in news writing and that sort of stuff was where I always started but I really enjoyed being able to kind of craft a narrative and tell a story through that. So I wanted to work on that from from a different perspective. I jumped into some screenwriting classes, groups, that sort of thing, and have been trying my hand at that. I've, I've always really enjoyed creative stuff. So they, I mentioned those community scripts, and like I said, those were mostly a writing exercise. But yeah, right now I finished two pilots that I'm pretty happy with that are original, uh, that I'm probably going to end up submitting to some competitions this winter. I'm kind of going through and figuring out which one I'd rather push just financially to, to submit to some contests. But yeah, I'm in the middle of writing a, a feature right now. Uh, I have two that I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between. They're both about half and a quarter finished. So um, I'm working on that sort of stuff and kind of taking it one step at a time. Just it, Prior to me stepping back last year, I felt really spread thin by things. I felt like I wasn't focusing on things. I was just kind of getting them done, not doing them well. So that's why I sort of stepped back, and I've taken the year to work on writing and kind of get myself right in uh, in that regard. So the, the question that always comes to mind for me, because I have my own influences and, and, and people that I look up to in my chosen profession, which is doing this, whatever this is. And you have to ha- have some inspirations too. Like you and I have talked about Judd Apatow quite a bit. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, we've talked about some other writers who is, who has been that for you and how have you taken some of their style and mixed in your own personality with it? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I love Aaron Sorkin stuff. I just, I really enjoy that style of dialogue, that quick, witty, pointed dialogue. I always, I look back on moments in my life where I started to, for lack of a better term, like kind of see the forest through the trees, where you're watching a movie and you realize, like, oh, that line is here to set up the thing that happens in 20 minutes. Or, um, hey, I really, 
I don't just like this movie. I like the way that the characters spoke to one another. I enjoyed how quick the dialogue was, that sort of stuff. So I think Sorkin movies are like that for me. I know the first time I watched A Few Good Men, that's that's how I felt coming out of it. Um, yeah, Sorkin. I like Judd Apatow stuff. Um, I'm trying to think more recently over the last few years who I've really enjoyed. It's tough with the pandemic, but... Uh, the guys from Lonely Island, I, I really enjoy. I think Pop Star is one of the most underrated movies of the last seven or eight years. Um, <laughs> you and I, I had a whole show about Pop that. Pop Star is so good; it's one of the best mockumentaries ever made. Um, I think Chippendale Rescue Rangers is a fantastic, like, family movie that is so incredibly funny. Uh, that uh, Akiva Schaefer directed. Um. And then probably from there, I, re- I really enjoy, and maybe it's because one of the scripts that I'm working on is a kind of detective murder mystery thing, but I really enjoy Shane Black as well. Uh, I think The Nice Guys is right there for most underrated movies of the last eight or nine years. And I, I, going back to, to what you said immediately when, you, when I asked the question, oh man, that's a good question. I've ignored all of that. And I just thought about how good a question that was. <laughs> and thanks. Um, no, but there, there is... Everyone has their own thing that they're, they're best at. You know, I was, I was watching um, David Letterman last night with his, his, his new show on Netflix. And Ryan Reynolds was the, the person that I chose because everyone loves Ryan Reynolds. He's talented and funny. And as David Letterman put multiple times, freakish, freakishly handsome. <laughs> Um, and but they were talking about you know styles of movies and, and roles that Ryan Reynolds would fit in, and like he could do some roles, but no one was going to see him do those roles. It was always Deadpool, it was always Van Wilder, it was always you know you know kind of rom com guy, and but heavy on the com with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Have you kind of? I know you're super early on in this, but you've been doing stuff like this you've been analyzing movies for a long time have you found a place where okay people would like to see people would like to see me write this people would like to you know watch these things that i am a part of or is it still super early in the process and you're just writing a bunch of things and trying to figure it all out i think i'm finally starting to hone in on it now um what i really what i figured out thus far is I found that I really enjoy writing writing TV more than more than movies. I've it's so much easier for me to fill a 22 minute episode of whatever. Like my the two original pilots that I wrote have come so much easier than uh, either either movie that I have kind of that I'm working on. So I think, and this is kind of stretching, I think that it's becoming a thing of like kind of my my patience, you know, put in parentheses there, ADHD, uh, that I like being able to start and complete things quickly. And that maybe I'll have to do that of just, hey, 10 or 15 pages a day isn't my style. I need to be a person who locks myself in a room and gets 50 or 60 done so I can finish it in a weekend. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that I've found. I'm trying to write diverse things. Uh, the two original pilots that I have, one's a comedy, one's a drama. So I made that my goal of, hey, the first two things I'm going to write are completely different genres. And that's just to show that I can do both. You know, I have the athletic background. I came up playing football and wrestling. I believe uh, I believe in, to be cliche, it, you have to put things on tape 
to get people to uh, to buy in. So at this point, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is I'm building a portfolio. I'm putting my tape out there. I'm trying to put down good stuff, but every single thing that I put down, I'm trying to have that exceed the prior thing that I did. That's more my goal right now. So I'm, I'm, it sounds cliche again, but I'm having fun with it. I'm enjoying the, the process of getting better at something right now. Do you know how many times I've said that in the last couple of weeks? I got to put some stuff on tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, it's true though, right? Like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I can sit here and feel like, hey, I can really do this or that's something I can be really good at, but everyone can feel that way it's a matter of actually doing something to show that you can uh and that's what i'm trying to do with writing right now yeah i know that's a it's really fun i (laughs) I was trying my best not to laugh because i've said that i said that last night it's like yeah i'm just you know this world cup stuff is going to be something really good to put on tape for whatever (laughs) company decides they want to pay me next yeah no it's (laughs) it's really true though because especially in the in the era that we're in right now with just where technology is there's no matter what it is you want to do there is a way for you to create a proof of concept like for pretty much anything if if your goal is you want to host a podcast then all that you need is really a phone to make it work at the bare minimum your audio is not going to be great your editing is not going to be great but you have that. You have the ability to put something on tape. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, with writing and stuff. Of I have, you know, scripts publicly available on Coverfly. I have stuff that I was saying to you that I just posted out there for feedback. So there's so much opportunity right now that just getting started, I feel like, is always the the most important decision, again, being cliche. But it's also because there's no excuse not to at this point. Yeah, and I would like to argue the point that all it takes is a phone to do a podcast. It also takes twelve bucks and a dream. And then when I say twelve bucks, I mean twelve bucks a month. Um, There's even free hosting services, though. <laughs> I mean, the Sports Desk was on a free hosting service for the first two years that I did it. Like it was just completely free. No, well. I'm a sucker. I'm paying twelve bucks a month. <laughs> I eventually, bus, bus I, event- I eventually <laughs> moved. I eventually moved to to a real hosting service, uh, but but that's what I mean. Is like there's places that you can just do it for free. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe I was told that I could be an astronaut one too many times as a kid to the point where I believe it. But I, I just really like trying new things and generally I look at them and go, yeah, I can be great at that. And I really believe it with, with the majority of things. Uh, and you know, maybe that's an ego. Maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah, I know it's for sure an ego, <laughs> but that's not, that's never been a problem for, uh, <laughs> for, for either of us yeah. is believing we can do things because, you know, the fact we're both doing things and the fact I've done this for five and a half, I've done this show for five and a half years. I'm coming up on six years in the business. Wow. And, um, been able to make money every single year nice to the point where i don't have to get a quote-unquote real job (laughs) and i i i respect the the fortitude 
in the like I'm gonna lock myself a room and do this because I've had to do that sometimes with editing because editing I will always maintain that if editing is the worst part of my job I don't have a very bad job but I still hate it and it's the worst and I'm sure you know all about audio editing just as much as I do is it sucks and I it's the worst thing in the world with that being said locking yourself in a room and writing 50 pages on a script it's, it's got to be difficult and um what is what is the creative process to get yourself in the mood to be able to write? Ooh, um, it honestly depends. A lot of the time, it's just that. It's I have, I have this general idea or concept in my head. I'll probably kick it around for two or three days, and kind of flesh it out and develop it. Or here, I'll use I'll use one of the easy examples. One of the. <laughs> One of the pilots that I have written is very obviously influenced to a certain extent on my life. It came from just a joke that I made to to my girlfriend of I jokingly said how insane our life would be if our dog was just a child, like just snap of the fingers. We have a 10 year old kid. So I decided to write just a mockumentary type uh, script fly on the wall camera of a couple whose dog is struck by lightning and turns into a child, both 30, you know, not ready for kids, millennial, that sort of thing. So that was just an easy, Hey, what if my life, if as a template, I changed the two characters and here we go. That was easy. Uh, some of the other stuff is a little bit, uh, more difficult of a concepts. So, it depends where I'm starting from. The other one, I had an idea that I sat on for like three months and it just kind of came back to me and I had an idea on how I can flesh it out. And now I'm going for that in one of my other scripts. Um, so it, it's a little bit different. The, the TV scripts are easier because they're 22 pages and I can knock that out in a couple hours. If I have a really good idea and I'm have a real strong grasp on it, I can go into my office at nine, 10 o'clock and come out by noon or 1 PM with a script. It's, it's just really different from idea to idea, I guess. I am in awe of people who can do stuff like that because I, 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 sports writing is, is so incredibly, um, it's both similar and, and different to stuff like that. Cause you're, you're creating like a world. I am creating a narrative. We're like, this is why you should care about this game on Sunday. When you're writing, it's like, this is why you should care about this entire world that we have fabricated and all the characters in it and all these different emotional things. And not only do you care about people, you care about the plot and the story and everyone else, right? Like, the people that have go like beyond and, and, and create this entire kind of um, set piece for people to enjoy will always amaze me. Because at the end of the day, uh, San Francisco at Kansas City or vice versa, Kansas City at San Francisco is only going to last until Sunday and then someone has to write something new. You guys are creating a, a place for people to essentially live for at least 30 minutes a night or, or whatever else, an hour a night. Um, because you think about the power of the shows that you love. Like you love Scrubs. Yeah. I love The Office, Parks and Rec, Community. You love plenty of those shows as well. We still talk about those. We did 20 minutes on Community today. The last episode what was like 2015? Yeah, 2015. We still talk about those things. So the the art of creating a, a, a place where people can 
connect and people can share the love over something that people have written is much more, it's, it's so incredible. So how do you balance? Cause I think about that kind of stuff, right? Like I think about, you know, in, in the world of commentating, having that moment that people have forever. Like I was at LSU in Alabama this past weekend and that call and that two point conversion will live forever. Right. And Chris Blair, the radio guy for LSU, Chris Fowler, the, the ESPN play by play guy, that call is going to live forever. And I get caught up in those moments. I'm like, I want to be able to have a call like that. And I want to be able to do, you know, live forever, even long after I'm retired and gone. Like, you know, Fern Lindquist is retired from CBS, but we still hear his stuff all the time with Tiger Woods and with the SEC and all these things. Do you have a problem separating yourself from that? Where like, I want to create this thing that people love um, and, and looking so far into the future like that? Or can you keep yourself grounded? Probably if I was a little bit younger, I'd feel that way. But just over the last couple of years, I have, it's been a, a purposeful decision of really trying to live in the moment, focus on what's going on in my life today and in the day to day. And if I'm taking the correct steps now, I don't have to worry about the long term. I'll figure that part out when I get to it, as long as I'm heading in the right direction. So because I used to be such a such a big picture person that I would think about stuff like that. Now it's not so much. And part of that is just for my for myself, because if I sit there and I try to compare just stay on the writing topic, if I sit there and try to compare the first feature film that I write to, you know, something that's won an Oscar in the last five years to uncut gems because it it's the first great movie that came to mind. Like if I try to compare the very first thing that I wrote to, you know, the Safdie brothers, I don't even know what, what number film this is for them, but it's not going to be as good. It shouldn't be. It would be insane for it to be, to be equally as good. Um, and some people are like that. Uh, Eighth Grade came out a couple of years ago. That was the first movie Bo Burnham ever wrote, and it's fantastic. It's very well made. But I'm sort of trying to focus on process. You know, going back to the the old uh, the old Sports Desk podcast, I'm really caring about the processes right now, and whatever outcomes come out, I'm just taking that as information to readjust the process. That makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. Um. And and that I think that's the difference between you and me, right? Like that's that's always been uh you and I are different. That was the joke, right? Yeah. On on R and R for pretty much the entirety of the podcast, all eighteen months of it. Yeah. The joke was that you and I are different human beings. I uh, can be, you know, tied to the moment, emotional, you know, kind of kind of creating this like big overarching thing that i'm i'm trying to take as much out of it as i can you're always more analytical and 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 not cynical but you you're definitely like okay this is one of the moments but this is not let's just keep moving kind of kind of thing and that's what made it work in my opinion but that's also what makes us i think so it's so intriguing to talk to you because you have these these ideals and and things that you hold near and dear that I find amazing that I probably should be able to do, but knowing my personality and knowing how I would be if I was in those situations, I would be looking beyond. And I, 
I've had to readjust some of that stuff with IAC, especially some of the some of the NFL and college ball stuff that we covered this year. But you know, I'm about I'm I'm about to do the World Cup, and um, my whole goal from that is like, hey, I want to be able to have a job doing this full time where I don't really have to worry about getting sponsors and people to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want that. I want other people to worry about that, and me just show up and do the thing. Yeah, no, I can, I completely can relate to that. Yeah, so I guess uh, at what point do you care? I, I know you're, you're trying to fix the processes and get it ready to go, but at a certain point, when would you allow yourself for, you know, to open this thing up? Like, okay, I'm ready to put this in. I'm ready for people to look at it, and maybe they love it, and maybe they criticize it, and, you know, say some things where I never wanted to do this again. When do you open yourself up to that kind of stuff? At what point do you think you're ready? Um, I guess partially I think I'm already there because for some of the stuff that I really enjoy, um, I'm comfortable with it now. It's more a matter of do I feel like it's worthwhile for me to be – so also I'm trying to learn the business as well because I don't know anything about it. I don't have any connection to it. Um, I, I guess I have some very distant connections, but I've never actually taken advantage of those or anything or even really asked about them yet. Uh, so I'm fairly comfortable with that stuff, but I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's the best process? And my understanding thus far is – hey, if you're trying to break in, break in with a movie script because people will just buy that script. You're probably not going to break in with a television concept. And you're probably not going to break in with a television concept, also not living in L.A. So taking that information for what it is, it's like, okay, well, I have some pilots that I enjoy that I think are pretty good that the people who have read them, I've gotten generally more positive than negative feedback on. And I'm kind of waiting for the for the project that I think makes business sense to really push of that's the, you know, reaching out to agents and producers of, hey, here's here's my concept. It's a hundred and five page script. Like, will you read this? I don't know when I'm going to hit that point because I need to finish the project that <laughs> really once I finish that project is I think what I'm going to hit that point of, hey, I need I want to push to have this thing made. Right. I, I, I That's understandable. And I can't imagine how long it takes to, to not only write a 105-page script, but to finalize it and get to a point where you feel comfortable with it after probably six or seven or eight rounds of revisions. Um. To, to get to the point where you're comfortable to give it to somebody else for them to make revisions and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So uh, presenting that opportunity to them got to be a very scary moment. Do you have this overarching kind of feeling of, of nervousness? And uh, I don't really like to use the word anxiety, but when when you're in a situation where people are either experiencing your stuff or reading your stuff with you in the room, do you ever get that um, kind of like that cold sweat? Maybe a little bit. The first couple of things that I finished when I showed them to to my partner because she always reads my stuff first. I mean, you just because she's the other person in the house as well as I, you know, really respect her opinion on things and. So probably maybe the first like one or two 
that I gave to her where I was like, I don't know if any of this stuff works. And really, those were the two community scripts because I was so stuck on one of the originals that I wrote those two community scripts just to have something done because I literally said to myself, hey, I need some sort of feeling of accomplishment and having something that is completed is going to do this for me. So let me just go complete this thing that I'm playing in someone else's sandbox and it doesn't even have to be good. It just needs to exist and for me to know that I created it. So with those ones, I might have been a little nervous. Um, On the last couple... I'm not nervous about getting bad feedback. I'm nervous about her coming to me and saying, hey, none of this makes sense. Like, you're going to need to redo this whole thing. Like, it's not clear what you're going for here. There's a little bit of fear of that, but it's more... that's I wouldn't say that it's fear. It's not like I'm going to be embarrassed over it. It's going to be more so, yeah, I didn't think this was working, and I'm sad that it didn't work, but all right, back to page one, and we'll we'll go from there. But... Yeah, now I just hand it to her, and usually I'm doing something else. It's like I'm going to the gym, and I'll say, hey, my brain is going, (laughs) my brain is turning to drivel, and I have no idea if this makes sense. Will you read this and tell me if it's mildly interesting or not? And she gives great feedback, positive, negative, everything um, of, you know, story beats, how clear things are. She gets what I'm asking for now, which is super helpful. I have been doing stuff like this for six years, and I, and I understand for me, it is uh, like the first couple times I was, I was in high school, like I was young in high school, I was a sophomore going into my junior year, and then I was a junior going into my senior, um, I was just excited to do stuff, and and you know we did the, the YouTube stuff for a long time when I worked uh, covering soccer, and then I moved into a podcast role. Uh, as I got like into my late high school and early college, and even still today, even when like people listen to the show around me, it's that cold sweat. Like my get it in my forehead, and I get it underneath my arms, and I get it kind of like down my back. It's that cold sweat. I'm like, all right, I now have to, and, and maybe it's because I'm on air. I mean, I know you were on air for a long time, but like for me, I'm like now I have to have this juxtaposition of like who these kids know and who these people know because like you know I, I deal with a lot of kids and they're like you have a show blah blah blah, blah and they find it or uh, even people like that are my friends and people that are older than me that are, I, my older friends that have kids and stuff they listen to the show and I get this cold sweat I'm like I have to now justify myself on a microphone to these people that know me in my actual life and that's I think that's the part that that gets me and just the fact that, like, oh, this person could really hate it and tell me right now. <laughs> you know, the, the whole terrifying worst-case scenario for people that make content. But it, it, get, it gets really bad sometimes. And it's I'm, – I'm curious because you and I are doing different mediums. I didn't know if that was like that for you. But it's good that, that your girlfriend is, is kind of getting the idea of, okay, this is what he's looking for, this, this, and this. Oh, yeah, you could probably do this and this is better. But it's – it's good because getting feedback is scary, especially negative feedback is scary. And um, that was always my words. Like people was going to say positive stuff just to justify the negative stuff and just to make me feel not as bad about how bad this is. Yeah. So I, I know you I know you trust her and that's, that's good that you develop that trust. 
Yeah, I I get completely what you're saying. I probably had more of that when I first started podcasting because that is such a publicly available medium too that everybody <laughs> yeah. can really do it. Like nobody nobody sees a script that I wrote unless I post it on the internet. Like you know, it's or unless I submit it to a competition or whatever the situation is. Nobody sees it until it's ready. Whereas. For you, you have a consistent schedule that you're putting out shows, and as we both know, some shows are better than others. There's there's a quality spectrum on any podcast, and generally, I, I would say definitely for us with R&R, we would finish a show and would immediately know whether it was good or bad for the most part. Um, <laughs> there was there was no waiting and seeing. There was there was never really a surprise with R and R. I never finished an episode and then went back and listened to it, and it was like, oh wow, I thought that wasn't great, but that was amazing. That never happened. It was always I knew exactly the quality the moment that we finished recording. So, I I get it from that perspective. Maybe it'll be different when. I'm showing stuff to more people or when I'm working on different projects. I think one of the other things that helps thus far for me is none of the projects that I've written are particularly close to me. You know, it's not, I'm for pretty much all, I don't think I've used much of, you know, myself or my own life in any of these things yet. And I've, that's a purposeful decision. I'm trying to kind of keep those separate. Um, and it, part of that is, if it is something really personal to me and my experiences, then I am going to have a lot more fear about that feedback. Uh, and it's going to hurt a lot more if it's not good or not well done. So with the stuff that I have now, like I said, the one thing is very much based on my life, but it's... N- I don't look at that character as an extension of myself. I don't look at it as even being based on me. It just happens to be another almost 30-year-old guy. And I know how to write almost 30-year-old guys who have similar personalities to me but aren't me. So I think that helps, whereas in this medium, like, you're... You are you, man. You know, it's your name on the show. So I I get how it's a little bit different. And I remember it being different with uh, when people would tell me that they started listening to the sports desk. There was always a moment (laughs) of awkwardness where I'd have to be like, oh, God, I hope that you like it. And you're going to tell me that you do either way, which makes it worse because now I don't know if you mean it. Um, And I hated that. So, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, no, I always I really hated that as well. Um, like, oh, hey, I, I listened to a couple of your shows. Okay, okay. Yeah, and they just leave it hanging there. Where, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's like I don't know what to ask. I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to ask whether you liked it or not. Like on episode eighty-five, I interviewed uh, the. She was the interim like caretaker manager for a, a couple games this season of the Houston Dash, which is the NWSL team, uh, the women's soccer league here in the U.S. You know, I met her in Kansas City. We had become friends. Um, you know, she played at the college in the same town that I live in. So, you know, she knew the area and we, we got to be friends and stuff. So when she got the gig, you know, she walked in the doors and then six weeks later, she's running the place, essentially. Um, That's a terrifying thing. So I interviewed her about it. And I had people from that community, a community that I worked in for four years covering their soccer team. I had like people like 
hey, I, I listened to to this show and like four other shows that like had Houston ties to it. I'm like, that's really awesome, great. And I never heard anything. I'm like, they probably think it sucks because they probably would listen to more. <laughs> but it's that fear because like this is my like this is a good part of my life is this right? Yeah, that's like a moment. That's like a forgettable moment for them. And you'll have people. I got people listen to the show that listen to every show no matter who is on the thing and i'm forever grateful for those people but ultimately most of your listens are one and done or like two and three and done and i you have to learn you can't take those people to heart you got to care about the people that are here every show that have listened to 88 of these including this one it's it's a tough thing dude it really is and uh you know, you don't learn that after six years. You still have to balance and adjust. It's not a thing that clicks into place where like, okay, now I'm over this. And I'm sure it's the same thing with what you dealt with with the sports desk and what you and I dealt with collectively with R&R and what you're dealing with right now. Kind of, okay, here's this, internet. You guys are always super kind and respectful. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of the things that's, tough for as much as i you know praised the praised the internet as giving everybody access to kind of get started in things that it's also really difficult because you can get so much feedback and criticism and it's kind of hard to sift through what's valuable what's not what is you know done in good faith versus bad faith all those sorts of things are kind of di- more difficult to parse through just based on volume. So, like, there's certain things. I So I, I posted those community scripts to Reddit, and you read them a couple of months ago, and they were... There was there was some minor edits done to the one that you read, uh, and one plot point removed, which we talked about, that I said if I ever put it out publicly, I would remove something and change it around a little bit. And I put that out there, and one of the feedback that I got in that comment section was somebody was like, Hey, the dialogue is really repetitive here. And I knew that when I posted it, like I was, I read that and I just went, yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's these, these weren't edited very much. These are basically first drafts. Uh, You know, I guess second drafts, if you count the fact that I, I changed around, you know, one scene and I knew that the dialogue is repetitive, but it still bugged me a little. And it bugged me because I knew it was true. And I knew it was real. And that feedback is the one that hurts the most. The thing that you're a little oh, yeah. that you're a little weary and fearful of already because you kind of know it. And you're hoping that you're going to just sneak it past people and everyone points it out. That's always the one that it hurts a little bit, but it's also the most valuable one. That's the problem I had like in school. Because we would do these like on-camera things. We would host these 10-minute sports shows. And... I would finish recording and like it would take, you know, in school, it, you, you try to meet the, the rubric and all these guidelines that they let out in place. If I was doing it and if I was running it, I would do things a little bit differently and maybe it wouldn't take as much time, but like an hour to record this 10 minute thing. Right. Yeah. And you want to be able to follow all the guidelines and all the things, but at the end of the day, I have to be able to like it because I'm the one putting it on tape after I graduate. So I would, adjust these different things but there was always this one nagging thing like whether it be my eyes were darting all over the place and i couldn't focus or um i messed up like the end 
like the very the end of a very long thing where it would be very obvious if I edited it, but I couldn't do that long thing again because I nailed like the first ninety four percent of it, <laughs> and I screwed up one word and then finished strong, and I hope no one noticed that one word. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like it's super difficult, right? And um, when someone points that out, especially someone you know like a professor, it sucked and it bothered me a lot. When you post these things on the internet and people point that out, it's it's almost kind of worse. Yeah. Because they don't have any standing in whether you graduate or not. They're just pointing it out. Yep. Because they notice it and it's it's there. And I can't I can imagine what that's like because it's happened to me, but it's still gotta be super tough from a from a writing standpoint. Yeah, it's almost like somebody telling you that your fly is down, where you're like, oh, thank you, I appreciate it, but I just wish that this didn't happen. <laughs> like, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> I just wish that this situation didn't come up today, but thank you for alerting me of it. Yeah, or the like the, the thing in your teeth. Yep, oh, uh, yeah, that's, know, the, that's probably, a, be- that's probably the, a better one. Yeah, we're like, it's not, it's, not super mi- it's, not, it's not super major, but it's still kind of a, like, oh, gosh, I'm embarrassed. Because it's, it's embarrassing, yeah. right? Like, it's, it's you want to be better. <laughs> and you think, you've looked over this so many times, you know what it's supposed to say, you know what's in your head, but when someone's reading it flat like that and they have no idea what's going on in Ryan Wenzel's head or Riley James's head, yeah, you, you, get, you get embarrassed sometimes because it's supposed to be this. And sometimes it doesn't always translate. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I still think, ultimately, all feedback is valuable to a certain extent, even if it's something that you don't really take seriously or consider. Um, it's important to know that other people think that way. Uh, maybe that's me just trying to put a positive spin on it, but that's how I've always tried <laughs> to approach it. Is Even if I disagree with you, it's probably valuable for me to understand the way that you think. Uh, and you, right. c- you can apply that across a very broad spectrum of things, right? From you know sports to um, art to life to politics. I think it's important to understand that not everybody thinks the same way as you and sometimes people see things differently i think that there's just so much value in listening to people and understanding that uh that even when it doesn't feel the best to hear or it's something that you might not agree with it's there is some value in at least hearing that yeah no i i definitely agree um one last thing and we'll you know, we're on through the lightning round. It's been over a year. Um, but ultimately, you are doing your best to, to get these things ready to go. And I'm, one, first, as a, as a friend and as a colleague and as someone who's known you for three years now, probably, into 2019, so almost three years now, yeah. um, I'm proud of you. For you know, taking this next step, realizing that there is an issue, because you know, a lot of people just truck along and um, they they don't ever take a second to kind of look and see what is wrong and why is it wrong. People just keep going and you know all the macho toughness that people talk about and whatever. I'm proud of you for taking a step back, realizing that you weren't very happy, finding something that does make you happy probably making your life better, your partner's life better, your to a lesser extent your dog, you know, th- their lives better. 
but ultimately I am, um, I'm grateful for the friendship and I'm grateful that you have all the stuff figured out and you were made time for the show today. So I just want to say that, uh, to you, um, in this forum, but you're, you're a great guy, Ryan. I appreciate you making the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I love coming on anytime. Uh, just let me know. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, still, I think have the best ever record for the bowl games. I'm still not thrilled about that. Um, Oh, I thought I lost that I last year. Maybe I didn't. Maybe you did. Oh yeah, you did. You were beat by Canadian. I was going to say, I, think I, th- was great. I thought I dropped the title last year. Yeah. Yeah. You got beat by a Canadian person and that's, she knows nothing about college football, <sighs> which is even worse. <laughs> um, all right, five to seven random questions. Answer in t- t- ten seconds or less. We haven't had to, we haven't been able to do this the last couple of shows because we've run out of time with our guests because we were very structured. But ultimately, here we go. All right. Uh, if you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you be? Ooh, um, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, Mr. Mouse has uh, about quadrillion dollars. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that, a good that was thing. my thought. <laughs> <laughs> And you get you get two houses in Florida and California in the two nicest parts. Yeah, I'm sure there's better answers, um, but that's mine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you could choose your own nickname, like a like you know one of those guys, what do you think you would pick for yourself? Ooh, um, I don't think I would change it all that much. I mean, maybe I would. My family nickname is RJ uh, because my name is Ryan James. My middle name is. So maybe I would just do that. I don't know. I kind of like my name. I've I've never really had a. I've never been drawn to other names. Dude, I didn't know your real name was James. We've talked about this before. I don't remember. Because I've because I've because I've always said if I ever needed a stage name, mine mine will be Ryan James. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'll get a text from you about it. I'm sure. Yeah, you'll step all over my whole gimmick. <laughs> um, what's your favorite kind of sandwich? Ooh. Um, probably chicken parm sub just you know i'm i'm italian <laughs> kind of yeah yeah <laughs> the welsh yeah with the uh right. with the pale skin yeah well, the, well no i'm <laughs> i am italian and i am uh italian and irish uh but yes my last name is is of uh is welsh yes yeah um by the way u.s and wales on december uh 21st on fox uh, that's a plug. Um, would you rather spend five days exploring an empty Disney world with you and your buddy Mickey Mouse? Or would you rather ex- spend five days exploring New York City with all access? Ooh, um, I guess I'll say New York City. I love theme parks, but if nobody's there to run the rides, what's the point? That's well, no, like people are. It's fully staffed. Okay, it's fully. But I'm still gonna say New York it's City. It's only it's it's only you. I'm still yeah, gonna say New York you City. And like four, <laughs> you and three of your friends win a trip. It's to whatever. it's it's me, <laughs> the staff, and the people in the Mickey Mouse costumes. That's it. <laughs> well, you and like say your girlfriend or a couple of your friends or whatever. Yeah, I'll. I guess I'll take that then. We're adding too many rules, but <laughs> yeah. Too many rules on a throwaway lightning round question. <laughs> uh, two more. What celebrity chef would you want to fix you a meal? I don't know how many celebrity chefs I can name, so I'll say Gordon Ramsay because he's the only one I can think of not named Emerald Gossi. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he's retired. I'm pretty sure he's Emerald's retired. Yeah, is that yeah? Salt Bay is different than. 
than both those guys. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So I'm going with that. <laughs> uh, last but not least, I probably asked you this before, but you don't remember your answers, and I am not going to either. Um, and it's probably going to be three different answers than the last time. Dinner party, three famous people, living or dead, who are you inviting? Ooh, I do vaguely remember this because I really struggled with it last year. Um, yeah, so you're going to have a fun time struggling with it again. Yeah, I would say, um, just to kind of stick with the theme here, I'll say uh, Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs, uh, Mike Schur, who created uh, Parks and Rec, all those NBC comedies, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, and yeah, we'll throw in Dan Harmon. Why not? We'll, we'll stay with the thematic tones of the episode. Fantastic. Ryan, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at Ryan Winnell on Twitter, you know, until it dies. Um, I'll, be, I'll be there <laughs> through its last legs. I was, um, at Ryan Winnell everywhere else. I don't post anywhere else. I rarely tweet, but yes, that's where you can find me. Yeah, I, I thought about talking about Elon. I'm like, that can get too divisive. So let's stick with fun stuff like writing and community. Yeah, I, uh, you can, I was there when MySpace you know. died. It doesn't feel dissimilar. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, you can follow the show on twitter while it lasts uh at if anyone cares underscore follow me on twitter and instagram at rally james iac the shows available on all major platforms um we have spotify exclusive playlists ready for your viewing you get the show through itunes or spotify please rate and review uh the show art is made by the comparable spencer Ware. the music is a collaboration between iac productions and all good folks and make sure to check out all of our World Cup content coming up starting um, on. I don't have a start date yet, so I can't tell you, but it's going to be coming out on If Anyone Cares' YouTube platform. We'll drop a link in the thing in the show description. Ryan, thank you so much for making time, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. For Ryan Wintel, I'm Riley James. If Anyone Cares.